Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. Arguably the greatest wide receiver of our time, Antonio Brown, fitted with an anti-suicide smock this morning. Spent last night in jail. Bond said it $100,000 for a burglary with battery charge ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation. Folks, it is no longer a laughing matter regarding A.B. and what the heck is going on. It's a Friday home and home here on Radio.com Sports Original. We are home and home, brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. And speaking of hiring, the man... Shrink Tank is hired to write about psychology's crossover with pop culture and specifically right now with professional sports is Ian Murray. Ian is a licensed professional counselor and author, and we're very fortunate to have him on the program because of this breaking news regarding Antonio Brown. Thanks for joining us, Ian. This was, to me, for many weeks, kind of a laughing matter. Like, ah, look what Antonio Brown's up to on social media, getting dismissed because, you know, the frozen feet with the Raiders and the stupid things. It's no longer a laughing matter, is it? What do you make of this latest breaking news? A.B., again, anti-suicide smock as he makes a court appearance, ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation. At what point did you think this was no longer a laughing matter? Hey, good morning, guys. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so I think when it really started to take a turn for me was when he was actually with the Raiders. So when you look at the way that he exploded um, at the GM after they rescinded his contract and made it just on a week-to-week basis, the way he responded, the way he acted to get out of his contract was very impulsive and he acted very quickly. And so I think for me, that's when I was like, okay, there's something else going on here. You know, there were some trails and bits and pieces in his relationship with um, Big Ben, the way he's responded to Juju Smith-Schuster. So there's been little crumbs along the way, but I think his departure from the Raiders really started to give me the signal of like, okay, there's something going on here. It's more than maybe just diva behavior. Um, This is something that he's really struggling with. That is my question in general, Ian, whether we're talking about Antonio Brown or Aaron Hernandez. I'm watching that documentary right now with my wife. Uh, Dave recommended it. When when do we go from this guy's an idiot, this guy's a bad person, to this guy has a mental health issue? Like, I I don't understand – Because when they start doing, oh, he's a bad guy, or, oh, he's an idiot. But then there's a point where you're like, oh, man, this guy's got mental health issues. How do you know when you break that threshold 
and when we should talk about it differently on the airwaves? Yeah. No, I, I, that's a great question because I think that's where we often um, have difficulty, like like you're saying, finding the answer. So for me, I'll offer you a couple different things. Um, first is the persistence and the amount of time that it happens in the disruptions in a person's life. So when people come into my office, you know, they may come in and say, you know, I'm feeling really sad. Okay, well, how long has it been going on? Eh, a couple days, but I usually bounce back and get over it. Okay. So there might not be a whole lot going on. That's kind of the normal flux of human emotion. Um, so when you're talking about, you know, is this guy just a jerk or what's going on? Is it something that's disruptive? Is it perpetual? And what is like, what is causing that person to be this way? So if we take it a step further, like we all develop adaptive behaviors to our environment at different times in our life. And as we grow up and we change scenes and we change diff to different areas, those behaviors are no longer adaptable, right? So if I had to act out as a kid to get attention, but now as an adult, I get a lot of attention, I don't need to act out, but those behaviors still keep coming up, that can be a sign that, hey, there's something else going on. Um, but unfortunately, there's no like, cri like specific, perfect criteria way of saying, hey man, this person is mentally ill or this person is not, because we all to some extent have things in our life that, you know, could be deemed as not necessarily mental illness, but, you know, mental distress or difficulties that impact our life. So I know that's not, you know, a super direct answer to your question, but I think it differs for each person. And I think the most important thing is the way that we approach that topic in conversation. Talking to our good friend, Ian Murray, licensed professional counselor and author um, from Shrink Tank. And I want to zero in on Antonio Brown and where exactly yeah. it went wrong. And you write that uh, the continued self-destructive behaviors indicate that he may be struggling far more than we anticipated. To me, it was that moment filming and live streaming an incident with the police in front of his children. What did that moment say to you is wrong or potentially wrong with AB? Yeah. I think that the interesting thing to me about that was I was expecting when that video came out um, to be a bystander video, right? To be like TMZ or somebody yes. coming in and filming it and then posting it. But then I looked and it was something that he was live streaming on his own, voluntarily giving up this, this moment to people. And the most fascinating thing about that video to me is his view as the victim, right? So we can all sit there and look at the video and be like, He's cursing, he's yelling, he's really belligerent and not making much sense at times. He's not able to be reasoned with, but in his view, he's the victim. And that's the part that really struck me is like, okay, if, if he doesn't see himself as a victim, he probably doesn't think that he has a problem. And that was really concerning to me because it's one thing if somebody knows or has an inkling and they're you know trying to seek help. But if somebody doesn't even realize how their actions or behaviors are impacting others or being perceived, that's really concerning. And so for me, you know, we um, his kids were there. You know, it was just so uncomfortable to watch. Um, and so that was really concerning. It's just lack of awareness and his willingness to share that, but identifying himself in the wrong. And I don't know the ins and outs of the situation. So I don't want to say that, you know, they, there was nothing going on that, you know, he didn't have a right to be upset, but the, the lack of awareness really struck me. Ian, what typically triggers mental health issues? Is it like a 
a chemical imbalance or is it a response to fame or stress or anxiety? Like what is yeah. the thing that triggers this stuff? Yeah. So it's the answer to that is yes, it could be just about anything. So it could be her, um, heritability, something that's passed down through generations that happens a lot with um, substance abuse. Um, it could be the environment. Um, it could be added stressors. It could be fame. Um, it could be isolated moments, the death of a parent, you know, things that people go through in natural courses of life that given the right circumstances can really bring out, um, you know, the symptoms of mental health in anybody. Now, some some mental illnesses, you know, have more heritability and they're longer term. But, you know, anyone can experience anxiety, depression from really things that we go through normally, a car accident, you know, a death of a loved one. And so there's so many factors that go into um, a person who's developed some sort of you know, mental health concern. Um, and I think, you know, Aaron Hernandez is the perfect example, right? Like, there are so many things that happened in his early childhood that pointed us in the direction that he might be going, you know, from from witnessing um, domestic violence in the home, from being sexually abused, from, you know, having his father, you know, he's an alcoholic. There's research that shows that kids who are exposed to increased levels of stress um, have can have difficulty later in life because they're in an in an elevated level of stress. And so they may not develop um, skills to have conversations, right? They're in fight or flight mode where they're just mm. trying to survive. And so all of these things can play into um, someone's mental health. And it doesn't just have to be in childhood, right? I know, you know, for a long time we yeah. felt that it had to, but that's not true. There's anything can happen. You know, I often tell clients that, um, that feel like, oh, well, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. And it's like, you know, I'm one or two bad things happening from being from it being flipped. So there's so many factors that go into it that we've got to be aware of. And we're talking to Ian Murray, licensed professional counselor and author on psychological mental health issues, pop culture and sports at Shrink Tank. But there's one aspect we haven't talked about, and that's the presence or potential presence in the case of Antonio Brown of CTE. Mm -hmm. We do know that. Yep. Aaron Hernandez, that was certainly a factor. And you wrote that much of the narrative is dismissive, depicting the possible impact of Aaron's upbringing. How does CTE factor in to the mental health of Aaron Hernandez and perhaps of Antonio Brown as well, mm -hmm. with the caveat that we have no idea right. if AB right. has CTE, it does feel like that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the Aaron Hernandez documentary, um, they talk about how CTE can have an impact on the frontal lobes of our brain. And those are primarily responsible for organization, decision-making, emotion regulation, right? All of the things that we see oftentimes, you know, through Aaron Hernandez, right, with his behaviors reactionary in nature. Um, Antonio Brown, the same, you know, lack of impulse control, very reactionary. Those big, strong emotions that just seem to take him over that he's not able to control – if those parts of our brain are damaged, it can really affect our ability to function and essentially um, control some of those things. So it's really important that when we also look at trauma in Aaron Hernandez's case and even Antonio Brown, you know, there's reports again that he grew up homeless, um, you know, at 16. And trauma can have some similar effects to the frontal lobes of the brain. 
um, that CTE can. So if we look at those in the larger context and when both of those come together, it can be really devastating. So it's really about the amount of because our brain doesn't need a, a large amount of impact or trauma to do some damage. So that repetition just continues to deteriorate those really vital parts of the brain. Ian Murray, licensed professional counselor, author. Check him out, shrinktank.com. They write about the intersection of mental health and pop culture and far too many issues right now intersecting between mental health and sports. Ian, we'd like to talk to you again as this Antonio Brown story continues to unfold. Thanks for your time on a Friday. That'd be awesome, man. You guys have a great weekend. I really enjoyed this. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Ross, at what point, look, I, I admit, like, I was the guy, and I'm 100% wrong, that thought Antonio Brown deserved a spot. Not deserved, but I thought he would get a spot back in the NFL because sometimes we forget about the talent, right? Six straight seasons, 1,200-plus yards, 100-plus catches, eight-plus touchdowns. Greatest stretch in NFL history. You, you put Jerry Rice in the conversation and maybe Michael Thomas at some point. I think the NFL career is over. And to me, it was that moment in front of his children that I thought, this is no longer a football story, no longer a laughing matter. There is something wrong with Antonio Brown's mind. Yeah, and I kind of thought that, Dave, a long time ago. I mean, yeah. people were talking about him like he was a genius and he had finagled this to get more money from the Raiders or then he, he did all this to finagle his way out from the Raiders so he could go with the Patriots. Everybody was trying to give him credit for it. People were trying to understand it. He, he's clearly had issues for a while now. I have no idea how Mike Tomlin and the Steelers were able to get him on the field every week for as long as they did. He is probably the most consistent and consistently productive skill guy I can remember uh, in my time in the NFL as a player and covering it. He is a phenomenal, or at least was a phenomenal player. But I do think the lesson here, Dave, is a couple things. One is all the fans clamoring for him to be on their team. Like, do you get it now? Do you understand now? I mean, all these people, sign him, sign him. It, it almost reminds me, watching the Hernandez documentary, of people saying, he's innocent, he's innocent, we love you, Aaron. Like, what is wrong with people? Like, yeah. how can you be an Aaron Hernandez defender supporter and how could you not see earlier? Maybe it's because they don't follow it as closely as we do, Dave. But all of these people that wanted their team to sign Antonio Brown. And I'll say there's one other aspect of it, Dave, which we hit on a little bit yesterday with the WEI sound. I think it's a bad look for Tom Brady. And I love Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. But he's been so supportive of Antonio Brown on social media, and maybe it's because he he recognized the mental health issue. I, I don't know, but I think it's a bad look for Brady, considering, uh, you know, I hope he didn't like that post of well, Brown yelling at his kids and everybody. You bring up a great point, and I've been on that for a while and wondered why Tom Brady would like each and every post on Twitter and Instagram of AB. That stopped. That did stop before that post with the children. I don't know at what point exactly stopped, but I do watch all these tweets. I think it stopped with the rap album 
that came out, that's when I stopped seeing Tom Brady like those posts. They were for a while about getting back in the league. They seemed to veer off, and that's when Tom Brady veered off with him. No longer a laughing matter. One of the great downfalls and breakdowns in professional sports history we are witnessing right now with Antonio Brown, and it could end in a very scary place. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, the retirement of Eli Manning. We'll talk about it with Kevin Boss, one of his favorite targets for a couple of years with the Giants, won a Super Bowl with Eli, and Eli called him a good friend and pal. We'll talk to the former target of Eli Manning after a break. But first, a word well, from Zip Recruiter, right, Ross? Yes, Zip Recruiter. I love Zip Recruiter, and I love that it sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, Zip Recruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, Zip Recruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Zip Recruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on Zip Recruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try Zip Recruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com. Slash E N T E R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Manning back to throw. Sets, looks over the middle. Force makes the catch on the run. Still on speed across the field. To the 40, to the 35, and knocked down at the 34 yard line. Kevin Vaughn. February 3rd, 2008, a date Giants fans will never forget. They beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was Kevin Boss, a 45-yard catch in that game, one of the key plays to the game. We're talking about the retirement of Eli Manning today, who walks away from the game this afternoon. Tears will be shed by him and all Giants fans in New York and across the country. It's a Friday home and home. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, joined by Ross Tucker. And this morning, Kevin Boss, who caught that pass from Eli Manning in one of the most legendary Super Bowl victories of all time. Here is what Eli said about Kevin Boss when he left the Giants and free agency. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, Kevin, Kevin is one of my, my good pals and a good friend and uh, you know, a, a great player for us. Uh, you know, great in the in the red zones. You know, caught a lot of touchdowns. Had a great feel of the offense, knowing you know what to do. Uh, you know, with the plays, just knowing the ins and outs, the feel of the game. So, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, disappointed about that. But I understand. Uh, you know, I know he, he wanted to come back here, but uh, sometimes other things come into come into factor. And all right, so forget about the stats, though he did catch 18 touchdowns with the Giants over four seasons. He's a good friend and pal of Eli Manning. Kevin Boss joins us on the program. Kevin, good to have you. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. How do you remember Eli Manning as the player or as the man, as the prankster? <laughs> uh, all three, I guess. Yeah, he, uh, man, he just, he was a consummate pro, and I think that's something that, um, uh, 
you know, I've been kind of reflecting over the past 24 hours about just his career and some of the things that really stood out to me the most. And, you know, when I think um, obviously the statistics and the Super Bowl wins and, and all that, you know, speaks very loudly for itself. But, um, you know, when I really think about the things that personally stick out to me is just what an incredible teammate he was um, from, you know, from day one when I arrived. So, you know, now, however many years later that, you know, he's, he's still, a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to call him a friend and, and a former teammate. And that's something that really stands out to me. But the other ones are just like, especially how everything kind of transpired over the last couple of years. I think that um, it really proved to everybody just how beloved and adored he was amongst Giants fans. Um, and I think, like I said, just with everything that went down with the whole saga of him not starting that game and just the outpouring of support that he got um, from Giants fans, but then also just how well respected he is and, and will always be uh, kind of across the league through players and uh, through, from, from players and coaches alike. And I think, I think that's something that really, um, when I reflect, is just kind of really stood out to me the last, uh, like I said, 24 hours that I've been kind of thinking about him. Kevin, always good to talk with you, buddy. It's Ross Tucker, and I guess my question, the first one I have, I've heard stories, but I've never actually hung out with him socially. What is, uh, what's Eli's personality really like? Yeah, first off, Ross, good to hear from you again, man. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty uh, collective, uh, you know, when you hear other people and other teammates um, other friends, you know, talk about Eli. And it's, it's always kind of that common theme of just, just a good, down to earth, humble dude, the type of guy that you would want to go out and have a beer with, you know, and, and uh, he's just the, the type of guy you, you want to have as a friend. Um, he's, you know, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a good time with him. You know, he's going to make you laugh. Um, but you also know he's, he's going to be in your corner and he's going to support you. And, um, and those are the types of friends and those are the types of people that you want to, you know, be around and, and kind of surround yourself with. And you know, as, as we get older and our friend circle kind of shrinks, you know, there's, there's certain people that you, you stay in touch with and you make an effort to stay in touch with. And, um, you know, Eli and his family are, are one of those families that, you know, we want to, we want to stay in touch with just because the type of people they are and, and uh, the good time that you have with them. Talking to Kevin Boss, played four seasons with Eli Manning, got 18 touchdowns with the Giants, won a Super Bowl with them. Uh, not just go out and have a beer. One of my favorite moments in the career of Eli Manning was going out and seeing him playing flip cup after a Giants win. That forever made me a fan of <laughs> Eli Manning. But seriously, does the is he or is he not a Hall of Famer discussion and debate bother you? And do you think he is a Hall of Famer? Do you think he's an all-time great at the position? Yeah, I, I absolutely think he is. I, I, without a question, I think, um, you know, his just the two Super Bowl victories alone, beating Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and, and that machine that, that was, um, I think that puts him in Canton just, just uh, with those two Super Bowl victories. But then, you know, you add in things like the 234 consecutive starts without missing a game. Um, and just, you know, doing it in New York and, um, just the, just the legendary kind of family. And I, yeah, I just think he's got 
so many things working for him uh, to get him into the Hall of Fame, and I, I think it's a slam dunk. Kevin, I'm curious, as a guy that's been retired for a few years now, what what have the last couple years been like watching Eli play and, and not play particularly well, as well as seeing all the criticism that he's gotten mm-hmm. the last couple years? What's been like that? What's that been like to you as a former teammate and friend? Um, yeah, it's been hard. You know, I um, I root really hard for him. Uh, my my whole family roots really hard for him. You know, having two young boys uh, and and a uh, four year old daughter, um, we all root for, hard for him. You know, I was um, laughing. My my four year old daughter wanted to wear her Eli uh, jersey to school yesterday, so I thought that was that was pretty awesome and just kind of speaks volumes about the type of person he is. And, um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, that, that opportunity that he got to start against Philly, uh, late this season, I I don't think I've ever wanted someone to do so well in a game. You know, I I was, uh, that first half was like, this is unbelievable. And you know, obviously it didn't last into the second half, but, um, you know, like you said, he did receive a lot of criticism, but, I think he also, like I alluded to earlier, he also it kind of gave him a chance to, you know, kind of the fans an opportunity and players and just to, to see the outpouring of support that he receives during that time. You know, just I remember when he got benched for Geno Smith, you know, um, that whatever that was last year. And uh, just like the players that were sending out all the tweets and support of Eli and stuff. And that just... You know, I, I sent Eli a text, and I know he doesn't look at that stuff, but I was just like, you ought to be proud of the, the you know, the, the support that is you're being shown right now from from players across the league that have never even played with you or know you, and and so I think that was, um, you know, pretty neat to to look back and reflect on that. Talking to Kevin Boss, Super Bowl champ with the Giants, four touchdowns, four seasons, 18 touchdowns with Eli Manning. I gotta hear a prank story. One of my favorite things about reading about Eli is all the pranks he pulled that we never got to hear about in the media or as fans. Can you give me one good story that would give our listeners a glimpse at Eli the prankster? Yeah. Um, let's see. What would be my, my all-time favorite? Um, a classic Eli move was um, during training camp just to kind of break up the monotony. Um kind of during like downtime of like special teams or something when we're kind of on the sideline there, he would, uh, he'd pick a rookie, he'd seek out a rookie and he'd usually grab like Richie Soybert or Chris Me, one of the offensive linemen. And he'd go up to an offensive lineman or like usually uh, a rookie offensive lineman. And he'd, uh, Hey, uh, just kind of shake up a conversation with him. Hey, have you got any molars taken out yet? You know, you might, might have kind of bothering me and um, just kind of get the guy engaged. And, and then he'd, He'd ask to, you know, meanwhile, Richie Soybert's got a handful of, of grass, and uh, he'd ask to look inside and, and see the kids' bowlers, and Richie would stuff a, a handful of grass in the, in the poor kid's mouth. So that was, uh, I saw that done a dozen times or so, and never failed to have the, uh, you know, the whole offensive line bent over laughing. So that was, that was one of my all-time favorites, a little one, but just always, always worked and always funny. Last one for me, Kev, is actually about you. I think our listeners, our viewers would be curious. I know I always am to know like what Mm -hmm. 
uh, a former player that had the success you did, yep. you know, where you're living, what you're doing now, how you occupy your time, how your body feels, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm in, uh, I'm in Bend, Oregon. Um, you know, I was born and raised in Oregon, but grew up on kind of the other side of the mountain range, chose Bend just because it's, uh, it's a kind of a mountain town with more sunshine and got all four seasons. And, uh, but anyways, yeah, we, uh, my wife and I are raising our four kids here. We've got two boys, two girls. Our, our spread is seven, five, four, one. Um, and so we're, we're pretty busy doing that. And then I also, um, about five years ago, opened up a sports performance facility here where, um, you know, I own and operate that and have, you know, working with a bunch of, uh, athletes from, you know, middle school kids all the way up to a handful of NFL guys I've had the opportunity to work with, um, you know, some local kids that have made it pro, the Hollister brothers, you know, Jacob Hollister was, uh, the Seahawks starting tight end this year. And, um, yeah, just been, that's kind of been, um, you know, my big kind of purpose after football, you know, I think we all are looking for that purpose after football. And, and this is, that's been mine just owning, owning the gym and, and doing that. And, you know, I tell people all the time that, um, you know, football was great and everything, but I really feel like it, this is my true calling to do what I'm doing now. And, and the NFL just kind of gave me a bigger platform to do this on a bigger stage and to be able to reach and touch more lives through, through what we're doing with, uh, with the, with the gym. Fantastic. Kevin Boss, really appreciate the time on a Friday. Thanks for joining us here on Home and Home, my friend. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Kevin Boss, reflecting on the retirement of Eli Manning, never made an all-pro team in his historic career, did make four Pro Bowls, though, and the Pro Bowl is what we have to look forward to this coming weekend. I admit, I probably will not watch the Pro Bowl this upcoming weekend, Ross, but I am very intrigued by the kickoff proposals that they are testing out on Sunday. In particular, I love what they're doing with the onside's kick. If you score late in the game, you have the option of giving the opponent opposing team the ball at their 25-yard line, or you can take the ball at the 25, fourth and 15. That's, in a sense, to replace the onside's kick, which has gone down dramatically. Up until 2017, 21% of onside's kicks were recovered, and then it tumbled to like 7%, and now it's just about impossible to recover an onside's kick. I love what they're doing this in the Pro Bowl. I hope we see this in the NFL in seasons to come. What do you make of the change? Well, this is what people have talked about quite a bit when they talk about if the NFL were to get rid of the kickoff. Now, they have done a nice job with the newest kickoff rules of reducing some of the injuries on kickoffs, but I still think on some level, Dave, this is inevitable. It's essentially either an automatic touchback get the ball at the 25, or as a onside kick replacement, you send your offense out there for a fourth and 15. Number one, I think that the offense would have a better chance on fourth and 15 to convert than we do on onside kicks right now. Number two, I think it's a lot more exciting. I think it's a lot more fun to see Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers trying to bring their team back with an epic comeback right after they march for a touchdown. They're still down by one score. 
They go right back out on the field for that fourth and 15. I think it'll be entertaining. I think it'll be awesome. And I think it's great for the Pro Bowl and will probably happen in real football. The only question is so much of what we do is like it's the opening kickoff. It's the kickoff. Let's kick this thing Mm -hmm. off. Like so much of the nomenclature is around that. It would be weird that it would just be an opening touchback or an opening put the ball in the 25. But the reality is, Dave, so many of them are touchbacks now anyway. Is it really that different? They're just not kicking it. I don't know. I don't want to get rid of the opening kickoff. Um, I love been to a number of Super Bowls. And one of my favorite moments of being there, and I think it's better at home. One of my favorite mo- moments of being there is seeing all the flashes from around the stadium at every kickoff. It just feels special to me. And I think every game has to start with the kickoff. And I think the first and second half should both start with kickoffs. But everything in between, because then it'd be even. Everything in between, I think, should adopt those Pro Bowl rules. I think it's terrific. I think the, the onside kick, something has to be done to give that, like, and the XFL is, I think, doing a great job with this, of giving teams a shot to come back, and they have nine-point touchdowns and things of that nature, but giving a team an ability to come back late in a football game would add, only add to the excitement of a tremendous game. One of my favorite things was the skill challenge last night. And before we go, I got to mention it. I watched the Pro Bowl skill challenge, which is fantastic. I've got dodgeballs right now. I love dodgeball. It's one of the greatest games. If you're not playing dodgeball, you're missing out, dude. Dodgeball is awesome. Anyone can play dodgeball. Little kids, big kids, old dudes like me. Doesn't matter. Tremendous game. And watching Jarvis Landry. Google this. Go to YouTube. Watch what Jarvis Landry did. He made a catch with his right and a catch with his left. Made two catches. The greatest dodgeball move I've ever seen short of Peter LaFleur in the classic movie dodgeball. It was awesome. The only thing missing is the big boys. I like the skills challenge. Give me some big boys. I want to see a big boy touchdown in the Pro Bowl. Like, Maybe have kickoffs, but make the big boys return them or bring the big boys into dodgeball. That's really missing on the entire Pro Bowl weekend is more big boy action. We don't call it fat guy. They're big boys here on Home and Home. Been a hell of a week. Check out dodgeball. Appreciate you being with us. Enjoy your Friday. We're back on Monday as we start previewing all aspects of the Super Bowl. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. We'll see you next week. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.